I don't want to talk just to your head. I want to talk to your heart. Yeah. If our hearts don't get changed, we're in bad shape. Yeah. We're really in bad shape. Yeah. Our hearts have got to be changed by the power of God. Amen. Yeah. Praise God. There's been a number of things that have transpired this week and a number of needs that have come to the forefront and my wife and I have both been praying about all of these things and praying for people that we love, praying for people that need a divine touch of God in their lives, either for healing or for their eternal salvation. Amen. Yes. And all of this is important in the economy of God. It's all important to God. Yes. It really is. I I pray to God today that I am not too pointed in what I say, that I do not offend anyone, but we live in urgent times, yeah. and sometimes urgent times need an urgent word. Amen. Urgent times sometimes need an offensive word. But the Bible pronounces a blessing on those who are not offended by the word. Yeah. Right. Amen. Right. And may we not be offended by the word today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to read a number of scriptures, and Sister Gina, I have not furnished you with a list this morning. Because what I have written here, I don't even know in what order I'm going to use all of this. I've just got it down here. That's Amen. all. And as the spirit moves today, I will be using these things. Amen. Can we stand together for just one moment this morning and ask God, you ask God to bless me, to give me wisdom, to give me the anointing of his Holy Spirit, and to anoint your heart to receive the words you can be changed. God of heaven today. God, I pray right now, Lord, for the touch We have of your come to this place, Lord, because we wanted to come God, to this place. We, we have gathered right together now, because God, we wanted to get together. We have come here, oh God, to present ourselves to you. We have come to this place, oh God, to allow your word to speak to our hearts. The Lord Jesus bless us today. Bless your word to our hearts today. Bless your name to our hearts. Those things, oh God, that are necessary for this moment. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name. Bless us, God, and strengthen us and encourage us and direct us. And correct us if that is necessary, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know how much of the national and world news that you listen to or become aware of, but my wife and I endeavor to be as well aware of what's happening in our world as we can be because that helps us to be able to pray in a more 
coherent manner. Amen. To pray more specifically for the needs that are in our world and the needs that are in our country. Amen. But all of these things are pointing up to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. I would never be so, what should I say, stupidly courageous as to try and tell you when I think the Lord is going to come. I have heard many men over the years that have passed trying to determine exactly when the Lord is going to return. Yeah book was written several years ago, 87 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come in 1987. Well, hello. That's 43 years ago, or nearly. And he hadn't returned. Realizing that it didn't happen by December the 31st of 1987, a new book was authored, and it was 88 Reasons Why the Lord Will Come in 1988. I mean, hello. <laughs> Let's... Uh, Let's quit the useless rhetoric and let's get uh, down to what is important and that is the, the preparing of our hearts for the coming of the Lord. Yeah. My people in Brazil, and I say my people, those that looked up to me for spiritual leadership, asked me very frequently, Brother Walmer, please teach us about the things out of Daniel and the book of Revelation. I said, you know, I have heard so much teaching and so much preaching out of those books and I'm not going to go there and try and tell you when the Lord is coming. It is an impossible task because Jesus himself said that he did not know. Do we understand that? And how people can uh, endeavor to, to give us dates and times when the Lord is going to come is totally amazing to me. As a person who has a certain knowledge of God's Word, I, I would never be so courageous as to try and determine when the Lord is going to come. And I told the people, my main goal is to make sure that you're prepared. Whether you die tomorrow, whether Jesus comes the next day, yes. whatever happens, that you are ready to go. Right. That is what is the principal yes. goal of my ministry. Amen. Yes, amen. And uh, so as I stand before you today, let mm -hmm. us keep in mind that the Lord is coming. Yes, sir. But we have got to be prepared. Yes. Not only do we have to be prepared, but somehow or the other, you and I, we who are the core of this church, Come on. the praying people of this church, yeah. we have got to take into our hearts and into our lives uh, that we have a tremendous obligation before God to pray other people into the kingdom of God. Yes. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. To pray them into the kingdom of God. Yes. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. For many people that are alive today, Hallelujah. this is the last day that they will ever have an opportunity to find God. Thousands across our country today will die. And they will be ushered into their eternity without God. Their bodies will be buried or cremated or whatever. 
and they will be forever lost. Right. I, 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 I want to be very pointed today and say yeah. that some of those of whom I am making reference this morning are people that you know. And they are people that I know. They may be members of your immediate or your extended family. And as I mentioned, it was Wednesday night, wasn't it, Brother Tamarina? I said that sometimes we are the only contact that those people have with God. Brother Tamarina came to me at the end of the service as we were praying. He said, Brother Walmer, would you please close the service tonight? And I just felt an anointing of God's Holy Spirit to say those things to those who are present in this place. Amen. There is a great responsibility that lies upon us. Paul declared, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And there is a certain responsibility that has been committed to each one of us because God has saved us, has placed His Holy Spirit within us. And so there is a certain responsibility that we have to our generation. Right. And I hope that we can accept that responsibility. Yes, sir. Running quickly this morning through several passages of Scripture. Going to the book of Luke, chapter 18, verse 35 through 43, we find Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. This would be the last time that Jesus would ascend the mountain from Jericho, which lay below sea level, up to Jerusalem, which was on top of a high mountain. And uh, he was ascending there for the last time because he had already told his disciples, I will go there. And I will be killed. I will offer my life as a sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. They were not able to understand that. And so as Jesus was going in that direction, he had come out of Galilee, had traversed the uh, rather long journey uh, a foot down the east side of the Jordan River, had come to Jericho, crossed the river, and as he came into that city, it would be for the very last time Do we understand that? It would be the last time that he would go through that city. And sitting beside the highway, there was a blind man. Mm. To him was being offered his last opportunity to receive his sight. And he cried out. And they asked him, be quiet. Don't be so noisy. And he cried the more, the scriptures tell us, until he attracted the attention of the Lord. And the Lord stopped the whole procession of people that was with him. And he said, call that man. And they called him. And the Bible says that he stood. And and I have preached about this with a camera. He threw from himself that cloak. And I have likened that to the life that he had lived and the sins that had uh, pervaded his life for many years, he cast that aside and he went to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want? He said, I want to be able to see again. And there's so many in our world today that are blind, spiritually blind. And they need to cast from themselves all of their thinking and their worldly thinking and say, God, I want to see. 
and his eyes were touched. He made good use of his last opportunity and received his sight. The Bible does not tell us that he went back to pick up his cloak. He merely began to follow the Lord. Hallelujah. When we cast off the things of this world, all of its vanities, all of its wrong thinking, all of its wrong activities, when we come to God, we don't need those things anymore. We leave them behind and we follow the Lord. Hallelujah. As Jesus proceeded in this journey, he came into the city of Jericho. And he was walking through the streets of that city. And suddenly he stopped. And he looked up and there was a little short man sitting on a branch, hanging out over the pathway. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. What a great day it was for you when Jesus said, I'm going to your house today. Hallelujah. I'm going to change you today. I'm going to make you a new creature today. Hallelujah. And Zacchaeus made his way down that tree and came and knelt before the Lord and confessed his wrongdoing, repented of his sins, and promised to make restitution of all that he had taken illegally from those that he had taxed. And he was saved, and his household that day was saved. Oh, Jesus got a lot of criticism for that. Oh, he's going into the house of the publicans and the sinners, the outcasts of our nation. And I want to tell you what, I don't care who you are, what you were. Maybe you are part of the outcast of this world and nobody gave you any value at all. But Jesus came to your house and he changed you and he transformed you and he made you into a new creature. Hallelujah. Praise God. The unfortunate thing is that there are those that often sit in our churches. I have preached to them dozens, maybe hundreds of churches. They're there. Their body's there. They're hearing me, but not with a receptive heart. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he saith, I have heard in a time except in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Help thee, that means. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Yes, sir. Now, now right. is the day of salvation. Amen. Please put it in your mind. Now is the day of right salvation. Now. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month. Yes. Yes. Not after the 31st of December and we're embarking right. in 2000 and one. No, today. 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 Amen. Remember this scripture as I proceed this morning. Today. There's some people that are playing so loose with God. They know something about God, but they don't really know God. Do we understand the difference? I hope you do. I can stand in this pulpit and tell you a whole lot about God. And you can walk out and say, I know a lot about God. But I want to tell you, that is not good enough. You've got to know God. 
to know him intimately. You've got to have him in your heart and your life. You've got to be changed by him. You've got to think different. You've got to act different. You've got to speak different. Your whole being has got to be different because Jesus Christ came in and changed you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We go back to the book of Judges and there we find the story of a very strong man by the name of Samson. Very strong man. Did absolutely tremendous feats. But when it came to his spiritual life, he was a total failure. He was weak. He was frail. He was filled with all kinds of faults. And he never really gave God the glory for his strength. He never recognized what God had called him to do. And he was about setting uh, his uh, lust at peace and following the lust of his flesh. He says to his parent, I want you to go down to such and such place and get me that woman for a wife. She was a Philistine, and it was not permitted that the Israelites marry with the heathen Philistines. But that is what he desired, and that was a sad story. And finally, uh, uh, Samson connected with a woman by the name of Delilah. And uh, there were times when he was visiting her, and the Philistines came on him, and he would arouse himself and go out uh, and make a great slaughter of those Philistines. And it happened over and over and over again. And uh, Delilah was trying to betray him and to find out the secret of his power with God. And uh, he would always resist that temptation. And he played with sin and he played with his lusts. Uh, and he played with those things of the world uh, until one day he finally confessed to her what his secret of power was. Uh, and while he slept in her lap, she took her shears uh, and sheared off his head, uh, sheared off his hair from his head. Uh, and he became like any other man. He lost his strength. He lost his power. He lost his ability. He lost his call for God. And the words are such, such a sad statement. And so when the Philistines came again at her signal, Judges 16, 20 says, And he awoke out of his sleep when she cried, Samson's the Philistine be upon thee. He awoke out of his sleep and he said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. There's just been things that have been running through my mind. Things from my ministry in years past. There was a man who presented himself as one of the quote, workers in the church in southern Brazil when we moved there in 1976. 
And I learned shortly the history of his life. It was a history of get in church and get out of church and get in church and get out of church and get in church and get out of church. It was years of the same thing. I tried my best to help to bring him up to speed and to put him in a right relationship with God. Finally, he began to have another one of his periods of laying out of church. And one day in prayer, God said to me, I want you to go to Manuel, his nickname was Nelini. I want you to go to him and tell him that if he gets out of church this time, this will be the last time. I'll tell you, that's a tough message to take to someone. Tough. So one Sunday morning after we had concluded our Sunday school, I asked my wife to wait for me in the church, and I made my way to his home, found him in the back of his small orchard of citrus trees, and I said, Nelinio, God has sent me here to give you a message. He didn't believe it. I don't think that he had ever really encountered a real man of God. I don't think that he had ever had to deal with someone who prayed and got messages from God. Yeah. I said, God has told me, Nelina, that if you get out of church this time, this will be the last time. You will not ever come back again. The only thing he didn't do visibly was laugh at me. But I could tell by his demeanor that he didn't believe a word I said. And his actions over the next few weeks proved that that was true. That very Sunday night I was obliged to talk to his wife. They had a daughter that was singing in our choir. But her behavior was not right. And I called her mother and her, and I said, I'm sorry, Elizabeth, but your behavior on the buses to and from your employment and your behavior on your job and with a certain young man that I know that you have proposed to have an illicit relationship with is not becoming of someone who is in a position of leadership in our church. Yeah. I am sitting you down. You will not be participating anymore in the choir. Yeah. Mother became angry stomped back into the church and grabbed all of her seven kids and left the church and never again darkened the doors of the church. I was only trying to fulfill my duties as a pastor, as a spiritual leader. <clears throat> 
Jesus told the Jews, he said, the day is going to come when I'm going to lay this city waste. Your temple is going to be torn down. You're going to die and your children are going to die. They shall not leave in this city or the walls thereof one stone upon another. And here's the key. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. There was the Lord of glory. There was the Christ of God. There was the Messiah that they had looked for and they were so spiritually blind that they could not recognize who he was and why he was there. And they rejected him. And even some of those that had eaten of his multiplied fishes and bread, some of those who had been healed of their blindness and of their leprosy, whose physical and spiritual needs had been met, stood in the public square and they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And Jesus was led away to be crucified. And the women were beside the road weeping and wailing for the death that was to come. And he turned and said, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves because you don't know what's coming upon you. Years passed, but six million of those Jews were killed and cremated in the ovens in Germany and the other European countries. Six million. That was in Europe. And that was not the other millions that perished in Russia. They have suffered untold pain and agony for 2,000 years. Because they did not recognize the day of their visitation. My friend, I'm not trying to tell you that I'm more knowledgeable than anybody else. But my wife and I are witnesses to those that we have known and continue to know that are suffering because they have not been able to recognize the day of their visitation. I want to tell you, my friends, God is in this place today. Yes, He is. Yes, he is. His Spirit is moving in this place yes, today. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, in John chapter 4, was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. It was unusual that He would even be talking to her. It was not the custom for the Jews to talk to the Samaritans. There was a great bitter hatefulness between them. And Jesus said to her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and what it is that saith to and he and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him. And he would have given thee living water. She did come to recognize who he was. And testified of him to the people of the city. 
and they flocked to him and he preached to them. And just a few months later, Philip would go into Samaria and have a great revival. Praise God. May we have somebody that will recognize that these are very, very precious times and precious moments that we gather here in the presence of the Lord to pray and worship and seek after God. May we recognize the opportunities that we have to make our homes into a spiritual sanctuary, a place of prayer, a place of seeking after God. Hallelujah. That we can actually turn our homes into a a temple of God where people that come in there feel God's presence because we're praying and we're seeking God and they can find God in that place. Praise God. Praise God. If thou knowest the gift of God, the favor of God. It doesn't matter how many sins we may have committed. It doesn't matter how bad those sins may be. Now, please, I was I was praying this morning. I was talking about this to God. And God said, in my mind, there is no difference between one sin and another. To me, it's all sin. And to me, it can all be forgiven. It just has to be repented of. Yes, sir. Praise God. Yes, sir. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Doesn't matter how many sins one has committed, they can all be forgiven in a moment of time at the hour of confession and repentance. And behold, all things, old things will pass away. And all things will become new to us. It will be a new day that will dawn in our lives. It will be a new day that will come into our hearts. It will be a different perspective about life and God. And everything that deals with God and eternal life. Hallelujah. I'm moving on quickly to the book of Acts chapter 17 verse 32. Paul was preaching to a group of people. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. (laughs) Raised from the dead? No, 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 no. That can't be, Brother Josh. That can be. Because Jesus raised. And the Bible says, if you never understood that scripture before, let me tell you this morning. The Bible says that he raised as the first fruits of those that shall live. Hallelujah. That's you and me. Hallelujah. And anyone else that will embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, repent of their sins, be baptized and be filled with his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. And others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. But they didn't. Because Paul would never come by there again. My friends, every time God moves on us, every time we feel the the presence of God, 
Every time we feel that that something different that is from God, let me tell you, you better take advantage of it. You better take advantage of that moment. And you better seek God. And you better pray. And you better get into God's presence. Because that opportunity may never come by again. If it was Barnabas, it was beside the highway. That was his last opportunity. If it was it was Zacchaeus, that was his last opportunity. And for that thief that hung on the cross with Jesus, he said, "Remember me." That was his last opportunity. Acts chapter 28, 26, that is, verses 28 through 30. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost, Paul. Almost. Almost. I'm not completely persuaded, but almost. You almost got there, Paul. No, it wasn't Paul's fault. It was Agrippa's fault. Because he hardened his heart against the message that was preached. Oh, God. May we never harden our hearts against the message that comes to us from the Word of God. May our hearts always be open to God. God, talk to me. Communicate with me, God. Praise God. Yes. Hallelujah. Almost. Not altogether. But Paul went on to say, and Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except for these bonds. And when he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them, and they left, and they walked out, never to hear that message again, never to feel that moving of the Holy Ghost again. My God! Opportunities lost. Opportunities lost. I'm going to bring to you this morning just a few examples of people that my wife and I have known during the years of our ministry together. The name of the one man was Orlando. Orlando was a TV technician. Worked as a TV technician every day. That's the way he earned his living. It would have been, I don't know how many years ago now, but it's been a number of years ago, on the 1st of May, which you know is celebrated around the world as some special day, and I have no idea why. But he was home that day because the business was closed and he decided to work on his own television. It was a warm day, he was in his house on the tile floor, he was barefoot. He was not careful, he did not unhook his TV from the power, and he was shot, and he died in his kitchen that day. Orlando had been connected with the church 
as a once in a while visitor. He and his wife, Om Jean, had asked me to go to their home and teach them search for truth. And I went once a week to their home, but didn't always find them at home. I'll never forget one Saturday night in particular, I went to their home and they were not there. Not safe in Brazil to just sit in your car out in front of somebody's house because you will probably be robbed. So I just started the motor and I began to drive through that southern part of the city, which I was not very familiar with. And as I drove, I prayed. I prayed for souls. I prayed for the prostitutes. I prayed for the thieves. I prayed for all of those that that didn't know God. I prayed that God would open doors of opportunity for us to start a church in that area. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed as I drove the streets for probably over an hour. And I would go periodically by their house to see if they had returned and they had not. And the tears ran down my cheeks and I took out my handkerchief and dried my eyes so I could see the streets. And I drove and I prayed and I prayed. It was some time later that God gave us the opportunity to open a church there. But uh, I had been requested to open a church before and Orlando said to me, well, Pastor, we'd like to have a church here, but don't count on me. Okay. And I didn't. And so God directed us into one of the worst parts of the south zone of our city. Upon a low hill that overlooked the Guaiba River. It was a place of thieves and drug uh, Uh, drug pushers, and all that type of society. And there God took a pastor who opened a church, and many of those people were saved. And this man who had had this long connection with the church and heard many messages died without God. Approximately two weeks before he died. He was in service, sitting on the last pew of the church. And that Sunday night, I preached. I made an appeal for people to come to the altar. And I made the appeal the second time. And I made the appeal the third time. And finally, I just went down and began to pray with those that had come. Orlando remained in his place on the last pew of the church. Two weeks later, he was dead and gone, without God and without hope. Her nickname was Shusha, named after a very famous TV personality in Brazil. She was a very simple person, lacking perhaps some of the qualities of the mental qualities of people that were in a sound mind. But she was in church one Sunday night. And our Sunday night services were always power packed. I would preach for no less than an hour every Sunday night to give everybody an ample opportunity to hear the gospel. And there was never a Sunday night that went by, I don't believe, that I didn't mention the essentiality of repentance and water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
And that Sunday night would have been no different. But Shusha made no move to come to the altar. And she left the church. That week, her house caught fire and she burned to death in her house. Sad stories. But these can serve as a word of warning to every one of us. That we need to take advantage of every moment, of every opportunity to pray, to seek God. Young man that lived on the street our church was on, our simple church was on. He lived on that street. Just a few houses from the church. And he began to attend. And his was a lot different from another young man that lived there. That other young man's name was Sergio. I understand that. <laughs> they pronounce it different in English, sorry. And he was just a little boy. And my wife, as she left church that one Sunday morning, said to him, Sergio, why don't you come to our Sunday school? He thought that was a good idea. And the next Sunday morning he showed up. And he brought his mother eventually. And eventually his father came in. And most of his family got in church. And eventually his older brother became the pastor of the church. But this other boy of whom I'm talking, it was a different story. He was really getting a hold of God. He was really... Loving church and loving God and and allowing God to come into his life. But his dad said, I don't want you going to that church anymore. I don't want some crazy Christian in my house. And prohibit him from going to church. So he began to attend the dance halls and participate in all of those things. One night he walked, a young lady was walking a young lady home. And maybe not knowing that this young lady was the girlfriend of another boy that was at the dance. And that other boy didn't like the fact that he was stealing his girlfriend. And he waited for him alongside the street. And when he walked by, He shot him in the side and the bullet went clear through his body. And he died on the street that day without God, without hope. No, daddy didn't have a crazy Christian in his house anymore. He had nothing more than a body that was buried out there in the cemetery. What eternal destinies are made in decisions on on the spur of a moment uh, rejecting God. Guy that was my friend and worked for me as my printer. Uh, He was supposedly a Christian, but he never gave up his cigarettes. Uh, He never really got into the altar and sought God to be delivered from his bad habit. And it later generated into a habit of drinking Uh, And he died smoking an alcoholic. So sad. But before this, 
I went to him one day. He was the father of seven children, six girls and one boy. And I said, Lindolfo, Lindolfo, it is the talk in the church. Now, Lindolfo and his family went to church. But church never really got in them, and God never really got in their hearts. It doesn't do us any good to just come in here and sit on a chair and be unmoved and unchanged and not transformed by God's power that is present in this place. Then I went to Lindolfo and I said, Lindolfo, I'm going to have to have a real man-to-man talk with you. He was German descent, and being that I was, we kind of got along pretty good. Two hard-headed Germans, huh? And I said, Lindolfo, your son has obvious tendencies toward being a homosexual. You need to be a father to him. You need to go out and do manly things with him. You need to help him to change and become a man, a real man. But Lindovo's example as a failed father, failing to conquer the vices in his own life, uh, did not place him in a position to be an influence in his family. And so it was that his son became deeply involved in the life of the gay community of our city. And he eventually contracted AIDS and died. And Lindolfo came from where he had now moved to and took his son's body back to their home city and buried it. Let me give you one more example. Carlos, the man that became the pastor of the church that I had pastored for over 20 years, was dealing with a young man, and he was the brother of one of our ministers. He was involved in a life of sin, a life of drug and drug use and all of that. And Carlos was always onto him saying, You've got to get in church. You've got to give your life to God. You've got to change. And he said, Pastor, I promise you that I will be in church next Sunday and I will make that decision for God next Sunday. That week, an enemy of his walked up in front of him on the street where he lived, pulled out a revolver and shot him to death on the street. The next Sunday never arrived. I don't know why I'm saying all these things today. I don't know. But this thing has been burning in my soul. I'm consumed with a passion to give a message to people. I've got to pray for my kids. Well, pastor, aren't they all living for God? Yes, basically they are. That's today. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I've got to pray for them. That they will not fall out of grace. That they will not backslide. 
I've got to pray for my grandchildren. Yes, they're in church and apparently serving God, but I don't know what tomorrow holds. I pray for my six granddaughters that God will somehow prepare the right man for them to marry so that they have a Christian life and a Christian home and raise another Christian family. There are so many deadbeat losers out there in this world that will uh, uh, capture the attention of a young woman. And so I pray for my granddaughters. God, there's somebody somewhere. For some of them it's very early, but it's not too early to pray for my six-year-old. It's not too early. God can begin to prepare another six-year-old male heart to become her husband someday so that they can form a beautiful union before God and man and have a Christian home and raise Christian children. I don't know if I'm talking sense to you this morning or not. I don't know. But I've got to pray. I've got to pray for my siblings. I've got to pray for my brother who told me sitting at my dinette table. I don't pray and yet he attends church. How is that? That you don't pray. That you don't communicate with God. That you don't... You just don't communicate with God. How is that? How is it that you think that your son is saved even though he's not darkened the doors of a church in years? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh God. I've got I've got to pray for him and his wife and his son and his daughter and his grandchildren. As I said Wednesday night, it may be the only connection they have with God is through my prayers. And so my prayers become so very vitally important. I don't know. My sister took a very, very wrong turn years ago in her Christian life. Where she began to attend in Long Island, New York years ago. She helped to begin that church. Her and another young lady from the church that we pastored went there to be what they called tent makers, just to work and support the church and pray and be a part of the beginning. Today that is a thriving church with a big congregation, but unfortunately my sister was unwilling to, to accept advice from a godly man of God and took made wrong decisions and went out and consequently her four girls today are far from God. Married with children. I pray, oh God, oh God, save Carolyn and her husband. Save Bobby Ann and her husband. Save Melissa Ann and her Yes, I do that, Mother. 
Miguel, I call them by name. And save Lorianne and her husband and their children, oh God. I don't know how you can work it out, oh God, but I know that with you all things are possible. Oh God, the end of my life is coming. And I'm going to leave this world. And I want to leave it with the knowledge that I prayed. And I sought God for these people. And I called their name before God. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. We must pray against things that bind people in sin into the world. We must pray specifically. God, deliver them from cigarettes. Deliver them from vanity. Deliver them from lust. Deliver them from everything that keeps them from coming to you and surrendering their whole lives to you. Pray specifically, my friends. Pray specifically. I received early this morning a little video clip. And I wish that I could play it for you, but unfortunately it is in a language that you don't understand. But the thing that I captured from that video clip and that I want to transmit to you today is we should never have in our vocabulary, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. That should never be in our vocabulary. Tomorrow doesn't exist. Today is the tomorrow of yesterday. It's today. And today is the day of salvation. Let's take advantage of it. There are three words that should never be in our vocabulary. And those words are tomorrow later perhaps I can add another one at a more convenient season or the word if tomorrow later and if well if things are right then yeah I'll go to church if things are right I'll turn my life over to God if if right. such a small little word word but with such great significant meaning there's been a song that's been going through my heart and mind all week, and I asked my wife to find it for me. And I even wrote Sister Gina and asked her to find it, and I think she may well put it up on the screen for us this morning. Every day they pass me by, I can see it in their eye. Empty people filled with care, headed who knows where. Oh, they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides the silent ones only Jesus hears. We are called to take his light to a world where wrong is right. What could be too great a cost for sharing life with one who's lost? Through his love, our hearts can feel all the grief they bear. They must hear the words of life only we can share. And the course goes, people need the Lord. People need the Lord. 
at the end of broken dreams. And there are many this morning that are at the end of broken dreams. He is the open door. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. When will we, not them, we, when will we realize that we must give our lives for people need the Lord. People need the Lord. Would you stand with me? Apologies, our Lord, with the camera, and I'm sorry that I've taken more than my allotted time. Bow your head. It's a time, it's a moment to seek God. God, this morning, God, this morning, as we sit here. Oh God, may we say every day, people need the Lord, and we can be the mouthpiece to help them know.